Juice, you're gonna have to scoot in a bit. They want to hear that angelic voice of yours. Uh, did they say it was cherubic or seraphic? Seraphic. Seraphic. More seraphic. I think acidic was the word that came through the most in the emails. <laughs> no, that's not too bad. Well, yeah, I'll take that. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. My question and my reaction to a lot of these stories and stuff <laughs> and the big scandal that breaks every once in a while about, like the Secret Service example is a good one. Why it gets so much attention, um, I doubt is because there are so many people out there that are regular media news consumers who are like, I want everybody to behave themselves so that we can have an organized society for the common good. There's that. There's That's why it upsets people that people act these this way and abuse sure. their power. But more than anything, I think people are just like fascinated by the privilege to to like tear big people down. Yeah. I think that's huge. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, why does anyone care that he had an affair and had an illegitimate child with his housekeeper? Did he? Why is that? This was like three, four years ago or something. Okay. It was big news. And um, I think he was already not governor anymore. But it was just like, we love that stuff. Why? And we're such a... I preached about this this weekend with the... Uh, the whole fraternal correction gospel about um, how Jesus says if you if someone offends you or you know needs correction go to that person yourself alone mm -hmm. first um, and then take two or three people brothers and sisters like people who love the person and but our first instinct is to just like broadcast it to the world everyone but that person yeah um, needs to know that this is a that this is a heinous thing that they've done. Um, yeah, Secret Service guys need to be censured and whatever, punished for or something like that, because that can't stand in it, you know, in that position where you need to be trusted so much. But uh, like, a similar vein to this, something I've been praying about a little bit lately, is just this whole notion of, I think, and this is myself included, but we, you know, people living today, at least most people, don't have an understanding of what mercy actually is mm -hmm. and so it kind of makes sense in this context that you know when we see these people that like should be an authority or that we've trusted in some way or whatever like we just want to see this cold justice yeah. come in and I think oftentimes and I this is again just kind of speaking from my experience that's a reaction to that allows me to not focus on what's going on in my own heart. Yeah. And it's like, you know, so many, I don't know, I, I can't say so many, but I know at least a couple, like, pretty saintly writers have talked about, like, that line between good and evil, it's not decided at, like, a national, political, or military level. Like, it, that line is decided in the human heart. Yeah. And uh, it's a key thing, but, man we forget it all the time. Like we, I think Merton talks about that, doesn't mm -hmm. he? That, oh, yeah, he talks about when World War II broke out. He's like, what was I to expect having 
this evil in my heart right. and this corruption and, the, and these these urges that I wouldn't control or couldn't control that that they would be manifested in the world even on a geopolitical level like, mm -hmm. so he blamed himself in a, in a sense like not just tongue and cheek not just pious you know sure. uh, self-flagellation but said like the evil in the human heart has physical manifestations outgrowths in the way that human beings interact with each other mm -hmm. even in war war doesn't just happen because one bad guy Hitler right. it, but all of these uh, spiritual things be, becoming physical yeah. political um, but that that question of mercy is really interesting too because just thinking uh, walking over here like what can I what can I share on a podcast about like graces and stuff mm -hmm. from priesthood and so many of the top shelf graces now I can't talk about because they're within the seal, you know? Sure. Just had like a number this weekend where you see somebody really, we have this privileged view of when somebody's really wit, ready or willing or has the courage to do that, to like do the look, looking inward mm -hmm. um, and accusing themselves of sin and opening up that part of their heart to true mercy mm -hmm. um, and like the fruit of that the freedom that that person has afterwards it's like indescribable I mean it's caught you guys that's part of the reason you guys are here like just sure. the imagination of it and I, I had that in my imagination for a lot of years what would that be like you know you see people come out of the confessional the way they look like they feel mm -hmm. but to be the one doing it um, in some cases even to like bring the person back to communion and see that uh, it's like <clears throat> this is living man this is reality but uh, I think a lot of what you're talking about Rob is like the shortcut to feeling good about yourself mm -hmm. is cutting down people you've never met absolutely that are supposed to be good but they're really bad yeah and aren't people so bad but like what about you you know mm -hmm. and I'm not saying you're bad but there's things about your life that you don't like. Mm -hmm. There's things about my life that I don't like. Things I've done, said, things that I want that I shouldn't want. It's St. Paul. Um, but I don't get any freedom from saying, yeah, but that person's worse. Mm -hmm. it's, such a, it's such a cheap consolation. But and it can, I mean, again, from experience, it can it can be a quick fix for to feel a little bit better about yeah. yourself. And it's not it's not real, but it's it's like taking a drug. In yeah. a sense, to mask some pain that's going on, like inside your own heart, you know. And it is—it's just those moments of grace, like when you're able to um, not even confront, like not even confront whatever's going on in your own heart, but let Christ confront it. Mm -hmm. Like those are the biggest moments of grace there are. But I have found that, like, when that happens, then, like, what other people are doing judgment just like goes out the door completely mm -hmm. because like you have this gratitude to Christ yeah. for for your own healing like for your own sanctification and salvation in that moment that that other stuff it's gone you know like you trust that he's taking care of them and that's what Jesus uh, says he who's forgiven much loves much absolutely yep that's absolutely. just as Father Brian says spiritual physics that's <laughs> just the way it works you see it with the greatest sinners become these saints who I like rabid dogs trying to convince people that they, their sins can be forgiven sure. um, because they've experienced it themselves and know what that's like. But it's yeah, it's so easy for 
So watching TV and you see someone who does a wrong, and uh, you know you can look and say, "Oh, that person uh, deserves justice. That person mm-hmm. deserves to be wronged like he wronged that other person." Sure. And you know, look at what Christ and Pope Francis knocks all the time is legalism, is just trying to stick to the wall 100 percent and let the wall. You know, the Pharisees. This is exactly what they did. Because it's super easy. Because yeah. you don't have to turn inward and say, look at that sick, disgusting thing that's inside. You know, mm-hmm. that sin that you're trying to shove deeper. Get down there. <laughs> but you can go yeah. and look at a rubric and say, oh, look, this person did this right here. Look, and I've I never done that. It. Yeah. There it yeah. is. Uh, there's a sheet of paper. Yeah. You went outside the lines. So you get this punishment right here. Yeah. That's so easy, right? Mm-hmm. And it is. It, it gives you that sense of feeling good because it's it's partially true because the laws are there so that human flourishing can advance, so that yeah. we can be better human beings. But they're not how we're saved, and they're not an end in themselves. Exactly. They're but re- turning inward and actually doing that internal reflection, which you can use the law as a parameter, you can use right. the ro- law as a boundary, which is the proper use of it, but it's so that you can dig deeper into what's actually going on there. What's yeah. motivating you. Right. So that you can really get to where the mercy needs to be. Yeah. You know, it's not the justice of, uh, tit for tat, eyeball for eyeball, hand for hand, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Christ coming and dying for you, even though you don't deserve it at all. That's yeah. the reality of it. Well, Connor, I mean, you can, you know, at least attest to this from your experience in confessional too. Like, has it ever even crossed your mind, like when someone had, like, takes this leap of faith and like has this courage to just like lay some sins that they probably have a lot of shame and embarrassment around? Mm-hmm. Has it ever even come into like your mind to to scold them for their sinfulness? Absolutely not. You know, and you can tell. I can tell a little bit just from like, especially if it's face to face, but even from the voice if it's behind the screen. Like, mm-hmm. if a person's about to say something they don't want to say. Oh, oh sure. yeah. Yep. Um, and it's like <clears throat> sacred ground. You know, like mm-hmm. immediately the confessional or, or the room or wherever I'm at just feels like like just penetrated by God's presence because this is this is it going to be a big moment in this person's life and the Holy Spirit is always encouraging us to like go deeper and take risks for him and and I think like more than ever if you can say this about God he's like pushing even more because he knows like you're so close to seeing how good I am Um, and my heart is always it's like full of love for the person. Wait, so you beautiful. haven't yelled at anyone? Uh, not that I can remember. Not that I can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you got so angry that you blacked out from yeah. like, oh, <laughs> just the rage. Been there, done that. Well, see, that doesn't even, that doesn't even make any sense to me. And maybe, maybe because I have no experience of the old days when priests were like that in the right, confessional, right. or at least right. like they say that they were, so I'm sure yeah. only a few were, but mm-hmm. why I would think it's any of my business to be like, telling people what to do in the confessional. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a custodian of the mystery, that this sacrament has been entrusted to me to make sure that people, um, that it's that it's practiced reverently and according to the, its intention in the church, uh, you know, that it's not just my own, like, counseling session with the person and right. I get to do whatever I want and that and this person gets to do whatever they want. Like, this, this has a certain purpose. And so I feel a little bit like I need to direct people sometimes, like if they don't, 
Uh, I'm never going to say, like, I, I think that somebody's being dishonest or anything like that. I can't, I can't judge a human heart. And, but um, I will sometimes encourage, like, if it seems like somebody hasn't been in a really long time mm-hmm. and they don't really know what they're doing and they're just kind of, like, spitting out something they want me to hear, I'll gently ask, like, do you want help examining your conscience and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, to help them make an integral confession, because that's what it's for. You're not, you know, you're supposed to confess all your mortal sins that you remember. But it's not my business to be like, if somebody confesses a sin, be like, you can't do that, don't do that, because it's like, first of all, that doesn't change anybody's mind, and second of all, um, you know, like, what's my motivation there to control the person's behavior, and how is that good for me? If they just have a servile fear mm-hmm. that that God's or I am going to be mad at them if they don't behave themselves, right. it's not that's not my understanding of Christianity. That's not how I came to faith and to uh, you know live discipleship of this guy Jesus, who never did that. I mean, the only people he had any um, ire for, the only time he ever flipped any tables over, was when people were doing stuff like that, yelling at people and trying to control them. You know, for the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, it was all mercy. And hey, I'm going to come eat at your house tonight. Um, so, I think that I'm not saying I don't have all the answers, but it seems to me like that's the intention of the sacrament, and well, certainly my experience of it. And to go back to the gospel that you you talked about, you preached on, uh, you know, confronting your brother about a sin, tell him the wrong that he did to you. If they're in the confessional. And they're coming to you about a sin. They're confessing a sin. They clearly know it's wrong. Right. <laughs> exactly. So you need to beat them over the head. Right. Did you know that this was a sin when you did it? No, I'm just in here talking about my weekend. <laughs> what? <laughs> of course I know that, you jabroni. You know? But it's... It, and then, it again, it's not to... Like you said, it's not to rebuke them and tell them how wrong they are. It's to win them over. Like, this is... So that you can win your brother back to Christ. Yeah. That's why you go and that's why you tell him he's he's wrong or he's you know he's offended you. Mm-hmm. So that you can win him back. Yeah. I Not just, just to make you feel better, or make him feel worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I'm totally right here, and just wanted to point this wrong mm-hmm. out to you here, which it totally feels great to do, right? <laughs> but that's not the ultimate purpose, like you said. I was listening to the, I don't remember if it was last podcast or the one before, where you were talking about wanting to argue with the Protestants and the. <laughs> and they're all thinking like, "Yeah, let's battle." <laughs> I think that's such a that's such a. I don't know if it's a male thing or if it's just human beings in general, but I think it certainly see it in men. Be like, um, "You're wrong," and it can it can bleed into I mean intellectual arguments about understanding of scripture or anything. I mean, it can be about a math problem. I've gotten in arguments where it gets pretty heated between two dudes. Where it's like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, like some, I don't know, like how fast do you have to be going to get like, right, yeah. mile an hour? Uh, <laughs> and it's like, just look it up on the internet. Right, like, <laughs> we can avoid these arguments. This. Yeah. But it can happen too in this context. I'm thinking, like, with um, with sin and stuff like that. Like, I think that a lot of the debate, like with gay marriage or the HHS mandate and things, it's it's a lot of grenade hurling on either side. Absolutely. Uh, this person says this, or this person thinks this, and this person's a bigot, this person's anti-Catholic. Um, when, if you just had a conversation or an encounter with the person where you had to look at their face and say these things that are in com boxes and stuff on the internet, 
um, it would be a lot more humane, uh, and people would understand where people are coming from a lot more. And I'm not I'm not saying hold hands around the earth and we'll all love each other, because there are irreconcilable differences in our worldviews and stuff like that. What we think sin is, what we think human flourishing is. If there is sin, right? But uh, gosh, like everybody hold up in their rooms, looking at computers, watching TV, and making judgments about what the world is outside. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Your, yeah. your picture is going to be totally distorted um, if you never actually talk to people. Dogs go to heaven. Goats go to hell. We were talking about that as you like allow Christ into that sin and like as that mercy comes in, the transformation that can happen. But something I've also been praying about is... Uh, Father Paul Murray, when he was here doing the retreat, he talked about how, in his experience as a priest, oftentimes, like, people might not even consciously recognize this, but they think that they're, like, very afraid of the darkness in their heart, and they don't want to go there. Like, they know those spots, and you don't go around those spots. And, like, if somebody else does, then they react to it, you mm -hmm. know? We all have those, you know, whether or not they're at the surface or very deep. But he said that in his experience, people are actually more afraid of the light that is in their heart. So, like, recognizing what they are as a Christian creates more fear because they don't, like, have an understanding of what that is and what that means than even, like, the darkness that's in there. Do you remember him talking about that? Yeah, and I think it also comes from the fear of... Um, and this, I mean, this goes exactly with what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to do the kind of, to do the kind of okay thing, or just not really, uh, to be luke, lukewarm, which Christ says he spits you, he'll, he'll, he'll spit you out of his mouth. Lukewarm is very easy. Mm -hmm. So like the real light is gonna, if when you see it, it's gonna spur you forward onto something on a great challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think he, if I remember correctly, he was talking about. The fear of seeing how good they are and seeing kind of in contrast to the darkness of like, well, I can't do that anymore because that doesn't correspond with who God created me to be. Mm -hmm. Of my baptismal priest, prophet, and king. Of me being a, um, you know, a saved person in Jesus Christ. Uh, I have to be a different person now because I am a different person. So being afraid of what they actually are themselves because mm -hmm. it will spur them on to should spur them on to the greatness of living a liberated Christian life, um, where it's so easy to soak into darkness. It's so easy. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to fall into virtue. Mm -hmm. You're not going to fall into excellence. Well, you see this a lot, I think, with people who are really self-critical. I mean, I, I think the, uh, maybe a distinction that we need to make is, like, when you're looking in your heart and being honest with yourself and accusing yourself of sin, in the context of mercy, mm -hmm. this is positive. This is what the Holy Spirit moves us to do. Uh, to see the, the darkness in us so that it can be removed. But there's, I think, plenty of people out there that just look in there, see darkness, and say, I'm a terrible person. Yeah. Um, and, why, you know, why would I ever deserve anything better or change or anything? Like, I can't change. I'm too weak. I'm too pathetic. Um, I'm not like other people, you know, uh, I don't think that the looking outside and seeing how bad other people are actually builds up any self-esteem. It, it does the opposite. 
it just makes you kind of like when you do look inside just feel worse about yourself and there has to be a way out of that um, like to see the light you're talking about what's mm-hmm. scary about the light is that you say maybe I'm wrong about that mm-hmm. you know that I'm not pathetic that I'm not worthless or that I'm not you know worse than most people um, that I'm infinitely loved and infinitely valuable and my life has this like insanely beautiful meaning and future that can be unlocked for free. It won't cost me anything and I can start right now. You know, that that is scary. That idea is scary because it that means a total a tidal shift in your life. And I think all of us sitting here went through that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but without that outlet, without the mercy that pours in to light up the dark parts, the whatever like little candlelight's going in there that's telling you, you know, you really are worth uh, more than all the sparrows and the trees and the, you know, whatever, yeah. mountains and hills. Like, you're, you're of such an infinite value that God himself became a human being and died on a cross for you. You can say that all you want, but until you understand that, like in your heart, and see how good you actually are, can you start rooting out the bad? Otherwise, it's just um, like the unhelpful kind of self-flagellation that that makes it even worse. That makes you reach out more and more for these cheap consolations um, that would quiet whatever that is. Well, I think it's also so difficult because when you're on the far side of the moon, on the dark side of the moon so to say, and you see that big tidal wave coming, all you see is, you're just in the shadow of it. Mm-hmm. Like All you can see is the massive tidal wave because you haven't um, pers- you haven't seen the world through the light of Christ. So you, you don't see the beautiful, the true, and the good. Mm-hmm. All you're seeing is like, <gasps> oh my it's God, coming to hurt me. Something massive <clears throat> is going to take, is going to wipe me out. Yeah. I'm going to have to be a different person. Yeah. And I have no clue what that looks like. All I know is it's going to be totally different, and it's going to hurt. Like, look at this cross. They got guys on on wooden beams, yeah. dead people hanging all over. Like, this is scary. And right. they they have no, they have never perceived the true and the good and the beautiful. They haven't seen the great ship that's sitting on the other side of the wave, right? That's mm-hmm. Holy Mother Church that totally rocks the house. It's like some party yacht. All mm-hmm. they know is this giant wave is going to take me out. Right. It's going to wash me out to sea. Yeah. So I, I mean. You know, what does that look like for a person who doesn't have Christ, who's just like sulking in their own misery, you know, sitting in the sofa in their room by themselves in the darkness, mm-hmm. and they have no hope. You know, you turn in, and all it is is this nihilistic notion of, once we die, we're, you know, everyone's just as bad as I am. Right. Uh, they just cover it up better. Mm-hmm. You know, what is that? That's a nightmare. Yeah. You know, the further you turn in, the further in you go. You're just turning in on yourself, and... There's nothing to bring you out of yourself. You know, there's nothing to bring you out of the darkness. That's, I mean, both of those are pretty scary notions. Mm-hmm. I think that's why you see, you know, talk about the Holy Spirit, like, giving you that heave-ho. Yeah. Or maybe, like, step on my hands and I'll fling you over. Over the fence. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no. you're using a lot of metaphors there, Mike. <laughs> that but was I, a- the one I don't get is the wave coming and then the ship on the other side. How is that wave going to get you in Did the you ship? Did you see, hold on, <laughs> we had a moon... 
I started with the dark side of the moon. I went with the dark side of the moon. So I was just thinking of like the you're ship, sitting the in ship dark is where I'm lost. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, the ship would be which is a party yacht. It's a party. I get it's that. The church. Yeah. And so you have the wave like the church is pushing grace forward. We'll say the wave is grace. I just made that up. Okay. Yeah. But the, no, the whole idea of the wave is like there's something big and scary coming after me, right, and it's right, going right, to destroy right. me. Well, it's going to wash you out into the sea, which you think is like dangerous territory. Right. I'm going to die. I'm going to be wiped out. I'm I'm just going to be part of this massive thing that I lose my identity of who I really am. When really it was baptism. I don't know. But really, I'm going to pop up <laughs> through a porthole window in this awesome party like, yacht. Party yacht. And end up living Absolutely. the dopest oh, yeah. life ever. That's going to be sweet, dude. Yeah. You just got to talk to the guy with the keys. Yo, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, can you let me in the cabin to see the boss man? <laughs> yeah. And Pete's got the keys jangling. He's like, ping, 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 for shizzle. That's how they... So what's going to happen? Yeah. Jesus oh, has got a, one of those captain hats on, but all like sideways and sarcastic. And, like, this is a chill boat. Yeah. Everybody's here. Every, yeah. Everybody's in the club. We're here to party. Heaven's going to be awesome. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Down.